Welcome, family, to Up to the Minute, hosted by Ramal Jones, Brandon House, and Christian Johnson Day. Over the summer, Up to the Minute hosted a live recording at Spirit Plaza in downtown Detroit. And today's show is from that recording. Please join this community conversation with representatives of the Skillman Foundation. What's going on, crowd? We're back. What's happening, people? Up we to the are minute. back. Up to the minute. Radio. Up, to the minute. Up to the minute podcast. We are back. And here we have a some, few members. Yes, some very, very special. Of the Skillman guests. Foundation. The Skillman Foundation is dedicated to helping and improving the lives of youth and all people of Detroit. And here we have. Hi, everyone. This is Lindsay Barrett, Partnership Manager at the Skillman Foundation. And uh, Terry Whitfield. How are you doing? Uh, Partnership Manager at the Skillman Foundation. So can you tell us a little bit about the Skillman Foundation and what you guys are all about? Um, so the Skillman Foundation, as you said, is dedicated, a foundation that's dedicated to the improvement of outcomes for Detroit's young people. Um, since 1960, um, that's been the charge. You know, uh, it was founded by Robert and Rose Skillman. Um, fun fact, they were, Robert Skillman was uh, the founder of 3M. Um, so that's wow. how they got their money. Wow. Um, right, and right. so once Rose and uh, Robert moved, they retired, moved to Detroit. Uh, Rose had a love for philanthropy, love for children, and fun, fun. another fun fact, a love for horses. And so that's where the foundation's philanthropic history roots you know, began. Mm -hmm. um, and since 1960, over $730 million have been invested, uh, whether it's education, out of school time, college and career, uh, really dedicated to not just reshuffling the deck, uh, but really how do we change the game to improve outcomes for Detroit's young people. That's wow. great, man. That's great. So what are the, some of the upcoming projects you have in store for 2023? Yeah. So um, I'll just talk a little bit more about sort of the, the how and with who of how we do our work. And so we um, we believe that one of the places that really supports all young people to thrive is our education system, right? And yes, that, definitely. Um, young people, parents and caregivers, community members, those are the people who are impacted most by what happens in schools, right? Especially young people. And so um, the way that we're thinking about doing our work in 2023 and 2024 is by really making sure that those people, the, like who is the right people to have in the room to make sure that our education system is really one that supports all young people to thrive. And so we, um, we have two sort of elements of our work. One is called ground building. And so we think that young people, educators, community members are really ground builders. Those are the people who, again, who know most what's happening on the ground right, right. in schools and who um, have smart solutions and a say in sort of what happens in our education system. And so our work in ground building is about really making sure that we are supporting those people to be building power. Um, and so we have a youth power strategy, an educator power strategy, uh, and a neighborhood strategy. And, and Terry is going to talk to you about, too, like how do we pair that with um, what's happening on the policy side so that schools can really thrive and really support young people, particularly young Detroiters, black and bound Detroiters, to really thrive and achieve their highest aspirations. It's just appropriate that we're having this conversation here, you know, in, in, in the Spirit Plaza right outside of the city county building. So it's like, how do you take the work that happens outside um, in the community, the power building, to have influence inside that building? Yes. So that yes, the voices of young right. people, the voices of parents, the voices of community can be leveraged as a way to help influence um, local, local elected leaders, statewide officials to really adapt um, uh, an equity-minded agenda 
that those that need more get more and whether or not that's in the school space in the after school space uh, but at the end of the day that Detroiters who are able to really lift themselves up because their voices are being heard by those that are making the decisions got it got it quick another question for you guys so and this is off what you guys said you said you, you mentioned education now what do you think is the most effective way to improve education within the youth I mean uh, you know because education definitely bring unity I think you know uh, you know, knowledge is power. Yeah, absolutely. Um, surprise, surprise. We actually think that the best way to do that is by listening to young people, right? And so that's really what our work has been over the last, um, or the ways that we've been evolving our work. We've always been listening to young people, but we think that that is the best way and that young people know best um, what's happening and, and have the best ideas about um, how to improve education. And so, I think, I, I think that's the, that's the flip you. that we wanted to yeah. put back on you. You know, but um, I'm a, you told me you went to Cass, and then where'd you go to high school? Bradford Academy. Bradford Academy. So both of you like have experiences. So what might be one thing that you would contribute to us to say if we were to fix this, that would really be a game changer as it relates to education in Detroit? Uh, well, right off the top, you know, I could, uh, you know, with me growing up in school, it, school. I don't know if I missed it. It definitely it, it doesn't show you how to to deal with those real life personal you know issues mentally too. The mental damage it does, and you know yeah, those real life situations. I think you know the educators and instructors sh should always you know be available and, and notice those things you know right away. Uh, yeah, awesome. I think. I'll say um. You know, I went to Cass, a pretty big school, you know. It's like one of the best schools, quote-unquote, in Detroit. But uh, one of the major things is talking to people and noticing their personalities because everyone's different. And uh, the communication aspect, like, you're different from how he would talk to me or how you would talk to me. And kids need to know what to say and when to say and how not to say things. So that's my biggest thing because you have a lot of uh relationships ruined because someone made someone feel uncomfortable or they didn't know how to function in certain environments you know so that's probably my biggest thing that that we you guys can help on yeah excellent great great now let's see here um what do you think would be the what do you think is the problem in the education that you guys, you know, you guys fund the education. And education doesn't stop or it doesn't, it's not school. It's not only school. You have education. Yeah, it starts in, in, a home, yeah. in homes. And now, now, yeah, I would say, you know, it starts there. It start, you know, you can have education at home before, it, you, it, you know, it starts at school as well. But those things that you can learn at home that you won't get in the schoolhouse. And that, you know, now, actually, sorry, they, the, off question, but do you think the, the education a child has determines their future. The amount of education, it de definitely plays a part in, you know, a child's future, correct? So, yes, and. Um, like, the former education is important. Like, the ability to read, write, comprehend, like, right, those right. are critical to just being a fully functioning, you know, adult in this space. But it's also the, 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 the transferable skills, the ability to problem solve, right, um, the right. ability to work within a team, the ability to think creatively and critically. Like those things, a lot of those things happen inside the school building, but a lot of those skills occur outside the school building. Like a lot of our young people spend much more time outside of school than they do in right, school. Right, right. So the more that we're able to form um, and support um, um, critical school and community partnerships um, that are really rooted and centered in the voices of young people and what they need and, and at that moment, um, the greater the overall outcomes will be for young people. 
Definitely, definitely. Now, well, we'll add, now back to the, the, the topic question. What do you believe the welfare in, of youth and children in de today, Detroit? Where, where do you think the, the welfare of children and youth are? Yeah, um, that's a deep question. Uh, we could probably spend the whole podcast on it. But when we, one of the things that I get excited about is when we talk about young people, it's like, who is that? Like, who are we talking about? And um, especially when we talk about uh, middle age or older youth, we're talking about Generation Z. Right. And if you look at some of the really big events that have happened in our community and our society over the last few years, you look at elections, you look at um, the summer 2020, George, George Floyd's murder, and like who was leading out at the front, right? Gen Z showed up in mass numbers in our last election. Um, Gen Z was on the front lines leading um, leading the charge for racial justice and racial equity. And so there's so much, um, they are, Gen Z young people right now are very activated and they, um, they want to see bold changes, right? Okay. So that nice. we can reimagine schools, reimagine right, our communities right. so that our communities really are thriving, not just surviving, right? And so yes. do, we have, um, do we have work to do? Yes, we do. And when I think about the state of young people, I'm excited about the fire and the leadership um, and the power that young people have to really lead change. Yeah, so when you say you have work to do, how do you go about building on that? Do you take it in chunks? Do you take it in little pieces? Or yeah. tell me a little bit about that. Yeah, so one of, one of the ways that we think we can take on, right, these big, these big sort of changes and progress that we need to make is really investing in the power of our communities. And so that's one of the things that we're doing at the Skillman Foundation. And, um, one of the things that we did recently is we, we did a landscape scan of youth organizing in Detroit um, and in the region. We wanted to see like where are young people working together, working collectively, yes. building power and applying pressure, like, like Terry was saying, on um, what's happening inside and these decision makers who are making um, big decisions about resources and policies in the places that impact young people the most. Um, and so we're right now building out strategies and thinking about how can we actually increase more resources to young people, to educators, to residents, so that they can be um, building power to lead change in the way that they see um, as possible in ways that they see are important. The, the most important thing I would say is like, how can Skillman be a partner in this work? Because um, right. it's, 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 the challenges that we see in the city is much larger than one leader, one organization, yes, even yes. one sector can fix on its own. Like our city is a collection of a, a, a beautiful tapestry of organizations of people yeah. that if we can all get a better understanding of what the final goal is, um, then Skillman's contribution will be that much more amplified because it could be specific to the broader vision that we're all working towards. Yes, great. I think so. Yeah, I think so. So with more than half of Detroit's youth housing and stability, how do you go about, can you tell us a little bit about your homelessness agenda? So one of the, so, so one, foundation doesn't have a specific like homelessness agenda, but the ways in which the foundation has contributed to that conversation is through the work uh, around our um, uh, chronic absenteeism as a metric. So chronic absenteeism is when a young person misses more than 18 days of school throughout the course of a year. And Detroit, for a very long time has led the nation in chronic absence rate. Most recently, um, for Detroit Public Schools, um, there's 
67% of their students were chronically absent, which means 67% wow. of their students missed more than 18 days. Wow. One of the reasons why they miss school is not that they don't want to go to school um, or not that their parents are, don't find education important. It's because of larger systemic issues like mm. housing instability, like transportation, like wow. general issues that affect communities that are wrestling with deep poverty. Mm. So one of the ways gotcha. that we've supported um, that conversation around housing instability is supporting research um, at the University of Michigan Poverty Solutions, um, really working with them to get a better understanding of who are the students that are experiencing housing instability and what resources are available, how are they getting connected to resources, particularly in schools. The McKinney-Vento Act is there for students that are dealing with homelessness, and many times the count of students who are homeless um, is very, is, there's a woeful undercount. So how do we, one, get a better understanding of who's dealing with housing instability, and then two, be able to get them the resources, but three, how are we listening to those students and what is in their way so that those policies can be changed either at the school level, at the city level, or at the state level as it relates to affordable rent, uh, ability for housing, so on and so forth. Great, great. Yeah, and that's all a part of, you know, what actually we said with Alaska is being available. You know, yep. having those available resources. A lot of times, you know, uh, you know, youth and children and even adults, you know, uh, they have that stigma of, you know, one help. You know, mm -hmm. I think if everyone get over that, we all need help. Yep. You know, we all need help and, and it's okay. Uh, but yeah, I think that's that's great. Now, um, the absence in school, I know COVID just ran past in the four, past four years. How do you, do you think those numbers increased with the, I think you said 16 days absent in mm -hmm. school? Because I know that, you know, I had missed a certain amount of days and I wasn't about to graduate on time. I had to lock in, but COVID really like stopped a lot for me. So how do you, do you think that number increased with those missing days for oh, students? Oh, it did. Um, there was work. So one of the um, partners that we work with, Every School Day Counts Detroit, um, had been, it's a coalition of community organizations, young people, leaders, all, de all determined to increase the amount of positive school attendance, reducing chronic absenteeism. And they have been making tremendous strides in partnership with Detroit Public Schools Community District in partnership with charters to reduce Detroit's overall chronic absence rate. Once COVID hit and the pandemic hit, it really did serve as a spike. So really we're having to start back over, okay. not with just getting young people back into the habit of going to school, but really working with those adults to understand what their role is in supporting young people to get to school every day. Yeah, because that cast, I know it was certain activities, I don't know about your high school, Ramal, but it was certain activities that if you missed a certain amount of days, you weren't going to able to be, you weren't able to participate in these activities. So do you know any activities or anything like that that, hit, that prohibits the students from participating because of their absences? Uh, now I would say this, with the way that I would flip it is, how do you leverage the chronic absence or the student's attendance as a way to ask the question, um, Brandon, what's going on? I right, see that you right. missed some days. Like, how can I be of support? So it's not about withholding the yeah, support or withholding the activity, yeah, yeah. but using it as a way to produce the conversation of how can I, as the adult, be a better support to you? Because obviously something's going on because you're not going to school. Yeah, this is a very, exactly. very deep, you know, conversation because I don't know which one of you guys asked, I mean, said it, but you said something about the, uh, it's going to come back to me. The, Go ahead. Um, so now, now, would you believe this theory uh, that definitely, you know, education being available would bring down a bit of the crime, the youth crime? Mm -hmm. You know, uh, you know, if we get uh, our kids in school, 
I think, you know, that because uh, it's a lot. I don't know the number. I don't want to quote any number, but youth violence in the city of Detroit is wild. Yep. Uh, you know, yeah. Yeah, no, um, I'll let Terry jump in in a minute, but we, we've been talking, I think, a lot throughout this conversation about um, the spaces that young people have access to, right, both in school and out of school. Like, where are the spaces in community where young people um, feel like they belong? We were talking earlier yeah. about, like, thinking that school should be safe spaces, right? Where you yeah. feel like you can have a conversation with someone. When we talked about, um, you were talking about mental health er earlier when we were talking about schools. And so it's like, where, um, how can we increase access to those spaces where young people can feel supported, where they right. can um, have a safe space, where they can have positive relationships um, with their peers and with adults in their lives that really support them and wrap their arms around them. Um, so that they can be on a path towards all of all of the things, all of the the possibilities that are open to them. My, my grandma always says, like, you deserve the best things that this world has to offer, yes. right? The world has yes. a lot of things to offer. Exactly. Not all of them are great, but how do we really think about what are the ways that we can um, wrap supports around young people so that they, they can have access to the best things that the city has to offer them? And I think that's where, again, listening to young people, how do you make school relevant? Um, it's right. not just about, again, learning one plus one equals two, but how does one plus one equal two benefit me as I graduate high school and start to look for a job? Uh, what are the different careers that I'm getting exposed to when I'm in middle school? So that right, when I get to right. high school, I could be making um, real world decisions around, yes, okay, is yes. CAS the school for me? Yeah. Uh, or is CMA, community, uh, Communication Media Arts, the school for me? Because I know that there are certain experiences that I'll get if I go to a certain school. So that you can begin to make more intelligent decisions Yes. around where you want to go in your life. But again, it's all about, um, one, getting the basics down before you can then begin to think through um, who is it that I want to be, how do I want right, to be, right. and then how do I get connected to either the in-school adults or resources or the out-of-school uh, resources that can help me to get there. Yes, great, yeah. So, is, is your question um, come back? Your question came back to you? Uh, I'll just skip it for now, you know, it's not that important. <laughs> but uh, you brought up youth violence, and I'll say, this is my personal opinion, opinion. I don't know how you guys feel about this, but I think that's mainly because of the responsibility the young adults or young, the youth have, and they have so much on their shoulders. And you, I don't know how you guys lift that up off their shoulders, let them know that it's okay to, they might be in a struggling situation with their parents, their mom, their dad, and they feel like it's a direct connection between currency and violence, like money and violence. So they, mean, they might be doing these things to benefit themselves and their situation. So how do you think, how do you guys, uplift that off the shoulders and let them know like it's okay to be to feel how you feel because there's a lot going on right now I mean, one that starts with, uh, you know, adequate mental health resources in schools. And that's one thing that our young people have been saying for years. How do you increase the amount of counselors? Instead of increasing the amount of security guards, how do you increase the amount of counselors that are supporting young yes, people during yes. the school day? Um, it also comes to, like, viable um, employment. You know, Detroit has a robust um, 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 summer youth employment program, but what does that mean for the school year? Like, my right. needs yes. for money don't end when the school year yeah, starts. Actually, right. it increases. You're right. You're so right. how do you continue to um, put resources and supports into year-round um, employment exactly. so that young person doesn't yes. have to look at other means or other ways to get exactly. resources, but can tap into um, employment opportunities um, that are connected, one, to who they you know might want to become when they grow up, but to provide a legitimate uh, resource as it relates to income. That's great. Do you have any of uh, suggestions? I think Terry hit, he covered he hit it. Yeah. Uh, but I mean, 
to your point, it is um, something we have been hearing from young people, and particularly, you know, during the pandemic, that young people have um, real responsibilities on their shoulders um, and are, you know, faced with with tough decisions about like, do I go to work or do I, you know, do I go to school today? You know, exactly, and so um, exactly. yeah, we we and again, this goes. I think the thing that I will add is it goes back to listening to young people. Um, and then not only hearing what they're saying, but then what are we going to do about it as a community? How are we going to create system level solutions so that um, those aren't the kind of decisions that young people are faced with? Yeah. So how do we you listen to young people? How do we talk to you? How do young people communicate with you and tell us tell you these problems that's going on inside their household? Yeah, um, I feel like I'm going to flip it again. I think that. Um, Adults actually have to do some work to be uh, ready to listen to what young people have to say, I right? Think so. um, yeah, it's like, are you actually ready to listen? Like, are you yeah. actually ready to hear what yeah. a young person is going to tell you? Because y'all are going to tell us, right? Yeah. And, and like, I think young people don't hold back. The elders, same way for the elders, you know, because yeah. it, it's tough. Uh, it's tough. You know, I think, you know, I've learned a lot from listening to my elders, mm -hmm. you know, especially the importance of self care. You yeah. know, you, you, you know, you can. The people around you, you know, in your generation, of of course, can can tell you. I think we. Uh, he wants to cue a break, but yeah, yeah I think uh, you know the, the the young ones around you. They can tell you, you know, but listening to the elders, that you'll learn a yeah. lot, especially yeah. about self care and you know the just just the, just the way of life. You yeah, know, I, I appreciate you saying that. I do think we have to we got to work together yes. to talk to each Listen other to, yeah, and I be in so. reciprocal, okay. mutual conversation with each other to to build solutions together. Got it, got it. Well, uh, it was great having you. We're going to go into a break, and we'll be right, right back. Uh, it was great having the Skillman Foundation. So um, please follow us on social media. Yeah, so you want to um, let the people know what's next? You can find us on TikTok at Kids Matter Here and on Instagram at Skillman Foundation. Can you say that a little bit more louder for us? Yes. Follow us on TikTok at Kids Matter Here and on Instagram at Skillman Foundation. Thank you so much for coming yes, through. Yes, thank you guys so thank much. Thank you, Brandon. Thank awesome. you, Ramon. Thank you. Up to the Minute is a public affairs podcast produced for BMO Radio by our young hosts and producers, Ramal Jones, Brandon House, and Christian Johnson Day. Our technical team and members are Quindell West Gilbert and Tavion Gary White. The opening music was produced by Most Soul, and the visionary executive in charge is Dennis Tauber. Be More Radio is 100% supported by our listeners and philanthropic supporters who believe that urban youth around the world can be more. I'm Gabriel Forrest, brand manager for Be More Radio and Be More Radio Institute, where we are committed to helping our generation do great things and thrive at it. Thank you all for listening, and thank you all for your support.